Hey guys, I've got a question for you. How confident are you with your current contract? We all need one if we're getting into interior designing or decorating. Um, or you might call it a letter of agreement. But uh, at the end of the day, the question here is, how confident are you that this is going to cover you uh, in your next project and that it's sound? It's a sound document that helps your clients and you keep on track and feel confident and uh, assured as you move into that next exciting project. Today, I'm going to talk about the five things that I feel you really need to have covered in your contract, uh, which I have in mind. So it's a really good topic for conversation and I'm enjoying having you here today. So stick with me. Hey, it's Adam Skugel, guys. Welcome to another episode. It's episode five today. I <laughs> say so you want to be an interior designer, and uh, I'm really pleased to have you here. Uh, if you're on the podcast of your choice, uh, welcome. Please subscribe over on Apple iTunes if you are listening on the podcast, or if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It would really help me to get uh, my message out there and help more people uh, that are in the same position as you. So uh, this show really is designed for the interior designer, aspiring interior designer or decorator, solopreneur that needs support building their interior design business while they're working nine to five. So my aim is to help you guys uh, manage your time and uh, make more money whilst you're able to choose the projects that you want to work on rather than the ones uh, that you don't and the people that you don't want to work with just to pay the bills. So uh, uh, really pleased to have you as I sit here on the show. So um, before we kick off, though, with talking about the contract, I want to ask you, do you need some help? Are you flailing? Uh, and do you need some support in terms of some advice? You can get this advice from me in the area that you're flailing in, and it's okay to fail, uh, by taking my quiz. And the quiz is, say you want to be an interior designer, .tv forward slash quiz. It's down below. Uh, it only takes about two and a half minutes. It's 15 questions. So uh, it's pretty quick, and uh, you'll get a personalized report which is emailed to you and uh, of course you can always email me if you want to uh, have a chat about it after you've done it so so definitely take the quiz say you want to be an interior designer tv forward slash quiz so let's get on with today's topic um i love the the the, the talk about the contract or letter of agreement because it's just the most wonderful thing don't be scared of it to have working successfully in your business you know a contract is a wonderful uh thing that you can work on. There is some legal type stuff in there that we want to be mindful of, uh, but it is really something that can help support you in just getting on with a, a great overall understanding of how you run your business. It helps keep you on track. You only have to read your contract back, keep yourself on track about how you work to remind yourself sometimes, how we do need reminding. And it also, of course, is a wonderful document that your client should uh, sign off on to let them know how you work and to sometimes remind them as well uh, where, you know, they need to, to look back and see what they've signed off on. So um, I'm going to give you the five things that I think are really key. Um, so, um, yeah, this, this this is actually five points uh, that are in my contract that uh, I also located on our line um, on a blog. And I thought, gee, these are five things that are, you know, the, they really are the key things that should be in a contract. So um, I've just, whoever you are, Darren James Interiors, sorry, in Queensland. I uh, hope you don't mind. I found these online. They're part of my contract anyway. 
and they're part of a, a very effective contract. So I just want to go through them. But thank you for giving me the, the five points to work from. Um, first one is your design process. That should be the first thing. The outline of your design process is really important. So the design process really is telling your clients all about, you know, where this is all going, how this starts, how this ends. It's like a roadmap. So it's also, you know, going to tell them about which phases uh, happen and when. So what happens after the des- the consultation phase where you're going to design? That after design, you're going to, you know, project implementation. So it helps everybody keep on track in terms of how it starts from A to Z. So that is really your design process, and that should absolutely be in the contract. You never want a client sort of wondering when you're coming in next or when they're going to receive, you know, the presentation of the stuff that you've already talked about in advance. Um, you want to have that whole process in there. How long does it take you to design their home or their room even? You know, is it going to take you two weeks or is it going to take you two months? So all that stuff should be in the contract and uh, or estimates, you know, it's an estimate. It's going to take me six to eight weeks to complete your design. And at least there's a guideline in there, but it really is a roadmap for your clients and for you. Do you know how many times I've looked back on my contract to remind myself about, you know, what it is that I've um, <laughs> committed to doing for my clients or what I should be doing next? Uh, it's a great tool for you and it's a great tool for your clients. So your design process how you work from the beginning of the project to when you hand over the keys again to the client if you've taken them away, um, that should be in your contract. For um, for an example too, um, I, in my contract, and we're talking about the design process, I always want my quiet clients, non-negotiable, not if you like it, you can do it. It's kind of like if you agree to work with me, and I'll say this lovingly, you're going to leave the heart because I'm going to be doing a whole lot of stuff for two weeks uh, as we move towards the finish, and that could be the finish with any construction or it could just be the finish with whatever's happened prior to furniture and styling. Um, you know, it could be that I get them out for a week or they've even been out for a couple of months while a whole lot of stuff happens, kitchens are renoed, stuff that they shouldn't be sitting there in dust and, 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 and turmoil over. Um, but definitely at some point uh, I will ask the clients to leave, even if it's for a very short period of time, so I can do a finished styled result. And um, if I don't do that for the client or if the client was around the whole time while well, I move things around and fix things that I've found issues and trying to resolve them on the spot, the client would see all of the turmoil even in the look on my face when I'm dealing with things that happen and, and they do happen when you're doing the final install. So it's a non-negotiable the client is to leave. It, it actually is better off for them. They don't get to see any of the the the, the <laughs> unfun stuff that actually leads to a really beautiful outcome. So if the client said, no, Adam, I, I, I want to be here every minute of the day. I'm not leaving my house. Uh, I want to stand there and watch you do all this stuff. I think it's fun. I'd say, well, I'm not the designer for you because I know that it's better for you to leave the property while I style this for you. And I want to give you a really lovely reveal and have it as a moment and give you a lovely gift and, you know, have a glass of champagne with you. But if you're sort of running around behind me while all that happens, I'm not interested. So that should be in your the design phase of your process, for example. Number two is the scope of work. What is it that you're actually doing for the client? What have you agreed to? This is super important. Um, what can go wrong if you don't have a really clear scope of work is scope creep. <laughs> and this happens on every job anyway. 
But what happens is the client gets comfortable with you and you know that you're doing the bedroom and the living room and the bathroom, whatever, and um, they'll get so comfortable loving the process and the whole sort of creative journey, uh, meeting trades, and it's all getting exciting, that they start to say, well, while you're at it, I think you can go and do the laundry room or I think you should add more art here or do you think you can now get us um, you know, a new table and dining chairs for the deck that wasn't part of the original scope? Now, what happens when that happens? Oh dear, in headlights for a second, you know, you've just got all this money from the client and they're really, it's a good thing, they're, they're really getting excited and they'd really like you to do more. But guess what can happen if you're not careful and if your scope of work in your contract isn't really clear? Well, then, you know, you can feel like you need to go and just get that extra chair or that extra art. And um, what happens is you're out of pocket because you haven't baked it in to all the time you'll need to be able to, to do all this extra stuff. So putting your scope of work in the contract, which really could just be a line that says, please refer to scope of work, which is a document where you've really diarised everything that you're doing. You know, you're doing the living room, um, picking new floor, picking paint colours, picking new furniture, new coffee table, whatever. Um, that should all be really specific in there. So when the client says, oh, by the way, can you go and get uh, the deck, the outdoor furniture for the deck, which wasn't on the original scope, you can say, oh, no problem, but I'm going to have to go back and rework that and create, you know, a new fee proposal because, you know, I've got to spend another five hours doing the, the sourcing and ordering and all that, whatever that is. Um and the client can make a decision. Oh, okay, I understand, uh, Adam, no problem. Uh, I think we'll park that all. No problem at all. Send me an invoice and uh, I'll really, you know, I'm really excited about everything. Can you add that too? So uh, that's what I mean by scope of work. Have it clear, have it in the contract. And um, as I said, it might be a line item. You're not necessarily in the body of the contract. Go to spell out each and everything you're doing for the client uh, in terms of the scope, but you might, you're probably going to have a separate document that your contract will clearly refer to as the scope of work. But really important that you have a scope of work and you're able to keep the client on track with that. Number three is your deliverables. So what are you going to deliver? So, <laughs> um, now, what I mean by that is what do they get as part of the design phase, for example? So when you're doing a design for a client, you're probably going to have floor plans that show them how the new floor plan is going to work successfully. Um, you may have a mood board uh, or a rendering, which is a computer visualization. It could even be a hand drawing, could be a PowerPoint, whatever it is. But um, the client should know that they're going to get a mood board for every space that they've uh, that you're going to design for them. They're also going to get a floor plan. Uh, within within your um, deliverables is the ability for them to make another choice if you, they don't like something to do with the floor plan that you've given to them or the selection of furniture, they may, may have the ability to ask you to to, um, to give them another selection, say, for the L-shaped lounge if they don't like what you've given them at the presentation. So you're giving them really specific guidelines on where they can continue to ask you to reselect things if it isn't quite what they were looking for. Um, it could be fabrics, you know, they don't like the two fabrics that you've shown them for the occasional chair, you know, you've got a floral or a geometric and although we should have this worked out in our questionnaire in the beginning, so we know if they like florals or geometrics, but they might say, well, I don't like florals or geometrics, um, you know, I prefer something that's maybe a block of colour rather than all this pattern. So you've got the opportunity within your deliverables and your contract to say, yes, there is scope for me to 
go and reselect after I've given you my one or two options in my design phase. So what you're doing is giving them very, very clear deliverables so that nobody can say to you, hey, I thought I was going to get, you know, renderings a computer-rated image that I can go in on my computer and whiz through as if it's a walkthrough. I thought I was going to get that as part of the design wall. That wasn't in the deliverables, so that's not something that the client can can expect you to, to really deliver. Now, most of this time, this isn't a problem, but it can definitely be um, something that uh, could run into a problem if people have worked with, say, other designers. And other designers have worked in a different method to, say, the way that you're working on your project. And that's a very real thing. So have a think about the deliverables. Have them um, all in there and uh, make sure that you stick with them. Do you know I made a, I made a really silly mistake a while ago. Um, I wish it was longer ago than it actually was, but I um, did some design work for a friend and um, I decided I was just going to get on with it. I charged very nominal sort of fees to do some of the work and uh, I decided not to take her through the whole process where I went through um, the contract. Uh, so we kind of had this verbal agreement, which I never recommend even working with a friend. So you know what happens is the client doesn't actually, in that situation, which is really boo-boo to me, but if you've ever sort of done something and not had a letter of agreement with someone because they're a friend and you're just kind of doing this or that, there's no boundaries there, especially if someone's paid you any money because uh, any money paid to you uh, sometimes is seen as a million dollars to the people that have paid you because they might know the value or the time it takes for you to do what you do. But if you don't have a series of deliverables like I didn't have with this friend of mine, um, she had no idea how many times uh, I was able to make a, a choice on a new um, light for the entry. So she kept saying, no, 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 I don't like it. But look, if you've only got two options in your deliverables, uh, otherwise there's further fees, then very quickly people are able to make a decision when it comes to them having to spend more money for new options. If you're doing an hourly rate, great. You can charge an hours and hours of design fees. Uh, that normally, um, the outcome of that is normally people can make a decision a lot quicker. So um, deliverables is really important. Max, three in your contract. Must have. You've got to have this stuff. Four is your fee structure. How are you going to charge? It's always good to be transparent with this. Are you going to um, do a flat fee for design and then a percentage of the install? Or do you do kind of a, uh, an hourly rate the whole way? Um, when do you build them? Um, are you going to build them on the 5th of the month? Um, is that, you know, if it's the 5th of the month, it needs to happen on the 5th of the month. Are you going to have detailed line items about everything you've done uh, in relation to all the hours that you've spent? Or are you just going to say, oh, it's five hours design time? Well, what can that do? It can kind of open up the dialogue with the client to say, well, what did it take you? F I don't understand why it's taken you five hours to do this this week. There's no sort of information there as to what you've done. Um, it's all that type of thing. You know, this is really important. I think to be transparent with the client's really important as well. So the other thing is, do you offer discounts? You know, is the client expecting to get your trade discount? Now, if you've got in your contract that you, the client will never pay more than retail, then you're not telling them that they're getting any sort of trade benefit from your design process or from your design office. It doesn't say in the contract that they get a kickback or they get things at a discounted price. So um, if it's not in the contract, then it should never be expected and can never be 
a conversation that uh, is expected to be introduced? Or are you offering you know, a split or are you giving them 10% off? Or do you give them 20% off? So if you're going to give them 10 or 20, have the clauses in there as to when they get that. You know, is it only tw- is it 10% off when it's, uh, the, you know, or 20% off when it's really, um, you know, whatever the situation is, you're getting a really good price on it. But it's good to have sound specific sort of tangible uh, processes in terms of your pricing, discounts, whatever, that kind of don't shop and change per project. That could be really dicey. So in my contract now, I've just got that the client doesn't pay any higher than retail and I'll leave it at that. You know, it's in the contract. I'm not offering design discounts as a way to bolster my value as a design, as a decorator. So um, that is really important. Your fee structure is important. Whatever you're going to do, put it in there and stick to it. That's really key. The last thing, number five, this is super important, is the legal side of it. So um, you want your contract to be a handbook um, that, that, again, I've talked about it kind of being a roadmap. You can call it a handbook. But it's going to be something that's referred to if there's ev- ever any issues that come up in terms of the design phase or definitely the project implementation stage. Now, this can be quite serious if you're getting into um, a lot of renovation that you know is dealing with a building team. Um, I would hope that if you're not qualified, a qualified builder, that you're not managing a uh, side of the project that involves somebody who needs a builder's license. Um, you can't call yourself a project manager if you don't have a project manager's uh, you know license. So, for example, in when I'm implementing my side of what I do in my business, I stay away from the build stuff. I give that to a builder. Um, if someone's going to design a kitchen, then it's either or you know put the kitchen together. It's either a, a kitchen company or it's a cabinet maker um, joiner that's normally coming in with a builder. I find uh, as part of a, a larger process. But I leave all that with the builder if it's to do with building. You check that they have their insurances, and you obviously check that they're legitimate in terms of um, what they need to cover in terms of their qualifications. But um, you don't want to get, you don't want to have be managing anything that you're not qualified for. For example, uh, you know, decoration for the most part, I call that project implementation. I'm in t- implementing the project. Uh, I am not a project manager. I haven't gone and gotten some sort of um, certificate or degree or whatever it is. Um, diploma in project management, so I'm not calling myself that. Um, I'm implementing the project, which for me is a lot of the decorating and the furnishing side of things. I get out of the way when it comes to trades that are specialised, electricians, builders, um, any renovation stuff. I do not try and say that I am qualified to do that nor accept responsibility for that. So that stuff's really important that that's in your contract. Um The other thing is uh, you're not responsible. You know, if you're knocking out walls or doing different things with the ceiling and or a bathroom renovation, and when you're in that situation where everything's getting ripped out, someone discovers there's a problem behind the wall and it could be anything. Who knows what it is? Um, But what what the the flow-on effect from a problem that's sort of behind the build and anything can happen is that – you know, you you can't be liable for extra costs. And this normally means there's going to be extra costs 
to try and solve the problem that's been uncovered when 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 you know parts of the foundation have been pulled away. So in your contract, you're just going to have a very simple kind of uh, explanation that you are not liable for any unforeseen problems to do with um, the way wiring has been installed or a house has been built or whatever's whatever's sort of sitting there behind the walls, for example. You must have stuff like that in the contract um, because who knows what could happen. I'm sure that most of the time um, people will understand, but you never want to have a contract that relies on people's kind of just um, getting it if there's a problem and they have to fork out lots more money. They may say, well, you know, Adam, Marie, John, <laughs> whatever, that's up to you. That's your problem. You didn't say in the contract, you said it would cost this much money. Well, they might say to the bill, you said it costs this much money and you're now charging me another $10,000. It wasn't in your contract, so I'm not paying it. It's up to you to fix it and pay for it. Wouldn't that be a nightmare? These things can happen. Cover yourself in the contract that you're not liable for unforeseen issues that have got to do with the foundation of the way a home is built, for example. So they're pretty much the five. Um, the action steps I'd like you to take is to have a think about what you have in your letter of agreement. I hope you've got one. Um, if you don't look for one, they, you can find them online. You can tweak them. You can rebrand them. But really the five key things that I've mentioned today are really important. So I'd like you to, to play this back and just see if you have all of that covered in your contract. Um, and yeah, let me know how you go with that. So action steps for you is have a look at your current letter of agreement or contract and see if you've got all five of those areas covered and you're on the right track. Um, you have the foundations of the five most important things in any contract and you'll be moving into uh, your next full year with confidence. So uh, if you don't have that sorted, start to make it happen. It's really important. So um, finally, to finish off for this episode, I'd like you to jump on. If you're floundering, if you want to sort of get an analysis of where things are working out well for you and where you need some help, I'll give you some advice. Uh, after you fill in my quiz, say you want to be an interior designer.tv forward slash quiz. Uh, it takes about two and a half minutes. It's 15 questions and you'll get a personalized uh, report emailed to you, which I hope you find useful. So I hope you found the content of this really helpful. If you're on YouTube, leave me some comments. What would you like to hear about? Tell me if you like the content. Does it resonate with you? Like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. It really helps me uh, to get the message out there and get this stuff out there to make sure people can benefit from it that are in the situation where they need some learning. And uh, if you're on the podcast, you're listening, it could be on your headphones, in the car, whatever. I'm really pleased to have you with me, by the way. Leave me a review if you haven't done so already on Apple Podcasts. It would really help the podcast get some more traction. So I have loved having you today. I believe in you. I think if you're here, you're on the right track. You've got the talent. Um, stay strong. Get all these things sorted. Get your contract sound. You'll feel so much better. Having a great contract is really kind of, it makes me feel like I'm Superman because I know with my contract, I can read through anything and explain it rationally and why it actually helps the client. And uh, it's designed to to be there in support of the client and in support of me as well. And how it's there to support everybody. I love having my contract. It's a great one that I've curated and works well. Make sure these five things are in yours. And until next week, bye for now. And I love and leave you. See you next time. Ciao.